the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Happy month of March. Uh, in like a lion? Or what will it ultimately be like? It's one of those things that we as investors... Oh, you're going lamb on me. That's not good. Um, what will it ultimately be like? That's going to be one of those questions that a lot of people look into. Um, a lot of people have speculation tied towards. Lumber Liquidators was featured on 60 Minutes in a not-so-great fashion last night. Talking about some abuses in China. And Lumber Liquidators is getting smoked on the other side of the day from last evening. That's one of those things that's it's kind of headline-driven, and you... We'll run into that. Um, there's different types of risk. Headline risk, uh-oh, somebody doesn't like me. There's the reality of, like, maybe you got fat. Maybe you got alcoholic. There's different types of risk. There's maybe you do business in dollars and dollars got weak currency risks. Um, there's risks of executives doing something stupid with younger women or executives getting in a bell tower and shooting people. You know, that's very periphery, but you have to know that there's a lot of types of risk. Lumber liquidator shares are getting smoked. 60 Minutes report that showed major issues at some of the company's factories in China. After the bell opened today, uh, lumber liquidators fell as much as 24%. That's the risk of individual stocks versus a diversified fund. And that's why I think that most people shouldn't be in individual stocks unless you're working with a professional have done a really, really long and slow process with it. Um, For instance, don't buy an individual stock until you have $100,000 saved, and then buy $5,000 of something for one year. See how how good you are at it. You don't have to be a winner-winner chicken dinner every single day. 
Um, you don't have to suddenly say, I'm going to be into 20 stocks Winning. immediately. You don't have the ability to follow 20 stocks. I don't think most people do. So lumber liquidators down 25%, but the market's opened higher. And again, that's the individual risk versus equity indexes risk. And most people can't really handle individual stocks. Just FYI, um, they just get too caught up in the greed and fear. Big headline this morning, HP's buying Wi-Fi maker Aruba Networks for $2.7 billion. This came out last week. Not that big of a surprise, not that big of a story. In my opinion, manufacturing in the United States has slowed to a 13-month low uh, for the ISM. That's not great. I'll be honest with you. That's not great. That's one of those stories where you're like, oh, I kind of wish we were having a better number. Um, but I told my producer when I sat down today, you know, things have been pretty good in the economy now for six plus years. Not great. I didn't say it was a great economy for six years, but pretty good and not bad at all. It's been very Goldilocksian. So you should expect a point in time where we have a slip. If stocks went up every year or if the economy went up for 10 years in a row, we'd all be a lot wealthier. There's slips, and that's normal and that's healthy. I give it two different examples. One is the if you want to grow your hair from the top of your head to your butt, it's going to take you more than a week. And along the way, you're going to need to trim it on occasion to kind of revitalize the ends so they, they continue to grow. Another example would be if you're a runner, you can't run your fastest mile every single mile at some point in time. You need to pull it off a little bit, relax, sometimes get a breather, sometimes get a power bar. It's a marathon investing. It's not a sprint. One thing you could be assured of is that the capital markets, that there's always going to be news. Some of it is irrelevant from a macro standpoint. Other days it can be quite, quite, quite important. Today we got some pretty significant news out of China. Yet, no big reaction. The People's Bank of China announced an interest rate cut over the weekend, slashing its benchmark loan and deposit rates by 25 basis points. Okay, okay, I'm with it. Trying to stimulate their economy, and that's basically going, Hey, world, we're not growing as fast as we want to. <clears throat> it's an interesting disposition, in my opinion. Asian markets seem to like the news, suggesting it wasn't necessarily priced in. China's, China's Shanghai, China's Shanghai, uh, up almost 1% on the news. There's mergers and acquisition activity on Monday. I love it when weekends uh, you find companies getting together. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Let's get married. <laughs> so it's like two male talking companies getting married, kind of in this case. NXP Semiconductors and Freescale Semiconductor are going to get together. $11.8 million cash and stock deal. Cardinal Health is acquiring Cordis uh, from Johnson & Johnson. Now, NXP Semiconductors and Freescale Semiconductors, you've probably never heard of them. But if you own a car, they're probably in your car. They have that kind of big, between the two of them, pretty dominant position. This is big boy number one getting to bed with big boy number two and saying, let's be big boys. Can't pin a lot of the blame on the weaker than expected personal income and spending report for January. Uh, personal income increased three-tenths of a percent, while personal consumption declined two-tenths of a percent. One of those is positive for the first 
quarter GDP calculations. Nonetheless, the actual spending data didn't show strong demand. That's what we have to come away from. Personal savings rates jumped from 5% to 5.5%. I like that. I'm personally a saver. Savers and spenders should probably never marry. Right? Uh, people who believe in the de- people who love the devil and people who love God probably should never marry. There's certain people that just don't work well together. Um, other things of note: oil price is a little lower. Copper price is a little unchanged. They've been big stories in the first quarter of 2015, and I think they will continue to be if you get my drift. Um, we still have this: how much pain will Vladimir Putin? be able to withstand, economically speaking, before someone puts a bullet in the back of his head, like he probably put the bullet in the back of the head of one of his main competitors out there last week. Uh, That's interesting of note, because he's been able to get the people who want to betray him to be fearful of him, because he's killed people. Um, And let's just put it this way. Let's say I, I don't like my boss, but if suddenly people around me who didn't like my boss, were like falling over dead. I'm going to be a little bit quieter, right? Google confirmed plans to offer wireless service. They're pl- launching a small-scale U.S. wireless service, and they're going to announce details in the coming months. Facebook, a friend or a foe for telecom. Uh, with the whole net neutrality issues, we're going to learn you know, more and more that people provide content versus the people provide the road to the content are going to be in the headline news. Got a big event coming up a couple Thursdays from now. Way out in Walnut Creek. This is the chance for Walnut Creek to get in on some of the action, the 10 pillars of retirement income planning seminar. Thursday, 6.30 to 9 on March 12th, right around the corner. Live and in person at the Marriott in Walnut Creek. You can sign up for it right now at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. Let's go through some quick headlines if we can. 
Uh, consumers are tightening their spending in January. That's a bad sign for the economy, but it's a good sign because they're saving more money. They up their saving rate. What's fascinating about this is there's no right answer. You would think like, yay, consumer spending wins. No, hey, consumer savings good too. If you don't save, then you're not ready for a rainy day, and there will be rainy days. Um, gas prices in California are going nuts. Average retail prices in the state surged 25% a gallon in less than a week. An ExxonMobil refinery blows up in Southern California, and supply gets limited. In theory, again, no right answers. You want a refinery in your backyard because you'll get cheap gasoline. In reality, you don't want a refinery in your backyard because if it blows up, you'll get some fumes in your home that you may not like. Anyhow. Lumber liquidators stopped getting slammed today after a 60-minute story on illegal flooring, illegal wood in particular. Something about too much formaldehyde in the wood. Um, Mama, don't put your babies down on that wood floor if it came from liquid lum lumber liquidators. Lumber liquidators. Google confirms plan to offer wireless service. This is interesting. They say they're not going to compete with a big floor, but they want to show technical innovations to the big floor. Costco struck a new deal with Visa and Citigroup. Citigroup is going to replace American Express as the exclusive issuer of Costco wholesale's credit cards. To show you how important this was to, Am uh, to Amex, about 20% of their loans and 10% of its cards came from Costco. That's a big whoa. Warren Buffet published the 50th annual letter to Berkshire shareholders. It's worth reading. Go Google Warren Buffett shareholder letter. It's his 50th annual letter. That's some staying power. ISIS is threatening to kill Jack Dorsey and other Twitter execs, basically because the social media site has suspended users linked to terrorism. That's a sticky wicket. Um, guess he won't be vacationing in the Middle East anytime soon. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in financial planner Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking all things financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com or hear him right here on this radio station from 1 to 2 p.m., New Focus on Wealth. Risk tolerance and rebalancing. Chad, those are two very big terms that all investors must be aware of. Why? Well, what will happen is in good times, people stick with the winners. And that okay. tends to be good for a three-year period. And then the best asset class that performed the best over a three-year period in the next five years is likely, in one of those years, is going to be one of the worst places to be because things correct. The way that the market works is that you have, you know, 10-year average P.E. ratios, 10-year average price-to-sales ratios, and you tend to get pushed well above that for a year or two before it corrects back down. And unfortunately, investors chase that end of the return because you don't hear about it in the news until the party's already over, until everybody's already saying how good the returns were. People get in late, and then uh, they take too much risk. And then it drops, and then instead of hanging in there for a couple of years until it comes back, they sell, and then by the next winter that drops three years later. You know, it's just this, this roller coaster ride and short-term memory issue that investors have. I remember recently pulling up a chart when the S&P 500 hit a record high, and it was being led by healthcare. The healthcare sector was breaking out, and the underperformer was consumer staples. Mm -hmm. Simply put, and everywhere in between was financials and tech, and they were all in between. So the winners were healthcare, the laggards were consumer staples. Right. As an active investor, would you say that there's value in consumer staples and that there's growth in healthcare? Like well, yeah, but I mean, let me give you an example. It's a perfect example that you brought up because 
early in 2013, consumer staples had had a huge run by then. Okay. Everybody had bit them up because they were dividend-paying stocks in most cases. Not high-revenue growers, not growth companies, but dividend-paying stocks, so investors piled into them. So all of a sudden, we had dividend yields well below the 10-year average. We had price-to-sales and P-E ratios well above the 10-year average. We decided to sell consumer staples, ETF, and go into the healthcare ETF. And that was one of the best-performing asset classes because looked, we looked at the healthcare ETFs, and they were almost just the opposite of that because everybody was freaked out of Obamacare and Affordable Care Act, which is, and it's the same thing. But so a lot of these companies at a discount relative to the S&P 500, and that's the kind of subtle moves that you make. You buy when it doesn't look right. You know, you buy when nobody else wants it. You don't buy when it's already done well. So when rates are low, people are looking to dividend-paying stocks as bond alternatives. Yeah. You know, the AT&Ts, the Rise, and telecommunication companies have 4%, 5% dividend yields. Utilities have 2 to 3% dividend yields sometimes. Um, is that a good idea to hide in growth stock or hide in dividend-paying stocks? If you can really babysit it, because th- the problem with this is that a lot of those com- uh, stocks, if, especially utilities, REITs, and telecom, can be very sensitive to a jump in interest rates. A lot of times that's, that sensitivity, though, is short-term. The problem is is that you have conservative investors selling portions of their bonds to go into dividend-paying stocks thinking that they just go up and they pay a great dividend. Those same investors are very conservative. So when they start to lose money and see a negative value on a statement, they freak out. And so they'll sell right at the bottom of the dip, and they turn their losses into real. So especially you know, when you're younger, yeah, absolutely. Just deal with a little bit more volatility. You don't really need bonds, but when you're older – you still have to maintain a level of risk that you're comfortable with. I rebalance twice a year in my 401k. Mm-hmm. Good idea, bad idea? Uh, good idea. I mean, I would assume that you're Rob Black and you rebalance more like you know, every three months, but you know, that's just my opinion. I don't think I have that option. Yeah, you go in manually and do it. Okay. You can turn on the automatic rebalancer, but come on, log in manually, Rob. Do some rebalancing. Do you realize how important my time is? And You are a busy man. If I'm not solving cancer, if I'm not finding Noah's Ark, if I'm not out there, you know, trekking philanthropy and helping people in Africa. Do you think I have time to do quarterly rebalancing? Come on. <laughs> so when do you, how do you determine it to rebalance? Like, for instance, market correction rebalance, market 52-week high rebalance, or do you just say? Both. Okay. It's both. Uh, so what, what you do is, so we have six different models ranging from very conservative to very aggressive. And we have thresholds at every asset class for each model. And as soon as, so if we set one model that might be, you know, 15% international developed and 10% emerging markets. Yeah. And the international developed goes more than 10% above its its allocated level. Then we say, okay, we're it's time to sell. What are some other areas in the portfolio that look like a screaming buy because they're selling at a discount? Is that emerging markets? Is that small cap or whatever? So you're once it hits the upper and the lower bands, it either sets a sell trigger or a buy trigger and you look for places to fill. It's not automatic. I don't like stop losses necessarily, but it's an internal uh, monitor of your own portfolio. The CFP, Chad Burton, this is what he does for a living. He's on top of all things financial. He's a financial planner. Great website, tons of content. Seriously, I was surprised by how much is there, how many articles have been written, how many videos, how many PDFs that you know can start you thinking in the process of retirement and what it means to you. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Can you guess the three worst ways of spending your tax refund? I bet you can. Um, In particular, 
you have to probably go to alcohol. <laughs> alcohol and booze. I know it's nice to get that tax refund, but horrible way to spend it on booze and gambling. Next, shopping spree. Try to stay within your budget, even with a little money extra in your pocket. And number three is big purchases you can't afford and that depreciate fast. Be cautious. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Big seminar coming up in Walnut Creek Thursday. Not this Thursday, but following. Sign up at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Social security for single people and social security for married people. Different strategies. My main goal on this show is to get you to retirement any way that I can. So single folks who have never been married will have fewer options on social security option, filing options. Still, you should understand, you know, what they are and which fits your needs best. Most Social Security filing strategies focus on those who are married, divorced, or widowed. The never married seem to get a little short shrift. Marriage can be really good for your financial health because suddenly you're only spending, you know, on one rent or one home instead of two. Now, it gives you more to save or gives you bigger equity. But if you're single, you may want to consider delaying to increase your Social Security benefit. You can delay your filing. When you reach 62, you'll have the option of beginning to receive your money. But when you do, you get 25% less than what you deserved at age 66. Um, if you wait just one more year, your benefits increase 5%. Delay it another year. That's an increase of 6.6%, and basically so forth until you hit age 66. Delaying beyond full retirement age gives you higher benefits. This is something we're going to have to change and tinker with. People like me who have enough money, maybe they make a deal with me like, hey, you can stop paying into Social Security as long as you don't agree not to take Social Security. It's going to have to be something, because Social Security is going to draw too much from the system, way too much from the system. And we've promised it, so we should deliver, but we can't just blindly say, sure. I think you'll want to continue to work as long as you can if you're single. While you receive Social Security benefits, you can keep working and increase your benefits if you report higher earnings than the indexed earnings from the years earlier. Again, this is where it starts getting, this show's not for everyone, because there's too many different types of people out there. And if you're listening to it like I'm giving you some sort of, you know, insight into exactly what you should do, you're crazy. There's another strategy called filing and suspending. This is a common strategy for married or previously married people. 
but can be beneficial for singles as well. You can file for Social Security but immediately suspend receipt of benefits. If you change your mind later, you can receive benefits retroactively to the date you filed. For example, if your friend Ben has never been married, he'll get a benefit of $2,000 per month available to him at age 66. If he filed and suspended his benefits at 66 and he wants to delay till 70, his benefits can grow to $2,640 a month. So if he doesn't need that immediate $2,000 right now for the next four years, he can play it longer term. Someone called the show, and I wish he would call into the show and not just call the show. And uh, he brought up that over at KSO, they've recently cut Bob Brinker's show from X amount of hours down to down by an hour. Bob Brinker is an infomercial. Bob Brinker is not an investment advisor. Uh, Bob Brinker is an infomercial for selling his newsletters. I wish more people knew that because it doesn't sound like that. He doesn't behave like that. Um, he's hosted a syndicated financial radio show, which isn't really syndicated as much as it's bought, it's paid for. He buys time. Um, pretty nice guy. And I think he's done a pretty nice job of keeping people looking at the longer term of investing and doing similar things to focusing on retirement. The caller didn't want to go on air and was like, hey, does Bob Brinker getting cut by an hour, does that going to hurt the stock market? No, Bob Brinker has nothing. Bob Brinker hasn't been relevant in 20 years. Um, and that's just, you know, an honest truth. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave it at. Um, he's a market timer. I would say back in the late 90s, he was more important than anything since. His whole show is trying to get people, you know, into his business model uh, with a brokerage firm that, you know, supports his show and or with a newsletter that has basically become a lot more, um, how shall we say, commercialized? No, no, uh, political. So you can listen to them, but I think if you think you're getting any insight, that insight happened 20 years ago. It's been a long time since it's been relevant. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. <clears throat> Other stories of note today, gas prices in California are going nuts. I bring that up because just a couple months ago, just a month ago, it was easy to say, look, these lower gas prices are going to last for a while. We don't see OPEC raising, you know, the, being able to pull off of raising prices by cutting supply or increasing supply. We don't see it. It's tied towards global demand. Now, when one of the suppliers goes offline, when someone who is a refinery in Torrance, California, it's critical to producing California-grade gasoline, which is one of those things, if you, I ever run for president, we're going to come up with one national gasoline formula, and we're going to stick with it. We're not going to have, well, okay, we want the Southeast, unless there's some sort of bindable evidence that the Southeast needs different gasoline than California. Hey, we can go with the most expensive grade. We can go with the cleanest. That's fine. I don't care. But we need one formula because it allows the refiners to say, you know what, we've got to shut down. We've got to do the California for now. And 
you know, how many people want to make California gasoline? Does Nevada want to make it? Does Nevada refineries want to do Nevada? It's just inefficient. True. We want volume, volume, volume. Um, but yeah, prices have, have jacked. Barbara Mikulski is going to retire from the Senate. It is interesting to see how contentious Congress has become in the last just two years with each other. Now, when Obama got elected, you would have thought with a Democratic Congress control that a lot more initiatives would have got passed. But no, you know, one Democrat wanted to fight another Democrat, wanted to spend more money, less money, wanted more state programs. They fought with each other. And thus his, that, and thus his uh, legacy is going to be tarnished because of it. When Republicans got control, now the Republicans are in, in Republican bickering. Um, and they can't seem to get on the same page with Homeland Security, an issue that Republicans should be 100% behind, because if anything happens when Homeland Security, Homeland Security gets shut down, a lot of people aren't going to get reelected. Um, so it's fascinating to watch the political landscape right now. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Nah, I don't have much for uh, Bob Brinker in my heart. So we'll He doesn't have a big team working behind him. He's just an opinion at this point in time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I just kind of did a a true piece on Bob Brinker, but a mean piece nonetheless. Maybe kind of an ugly piece. You're seeing more and more radio go that direction. Automating shows, bringing in people who sell themselves inside of a show. And it looks great because you're like, hey, I really like, this guy sounds like me. I'm old. This guy sounds like, I'm young. This guy sounds like me. Uh, whatever it is you're looking at, you're you're not getting that... We need some reform in this country to let people know on a regular basis. Like the two midgets that sell. And okay, I'm, last week I got it. Oh, I now know where. Okay, see, Friday I got called in my boss's office. He said you said the word midgets on air, and they're considered little people. And what I was referring to was the two little people who appear on a Hawaiian beach at 12 o'clock at night, typically when you're buzzed or watching Letterman or you know you're just exhausted. You're like these little guys. These guys that, like, I once saw a movie, The Wolf on Wall Street, where they threw midgets and they did bowling with them. And you're like, now see, I used the case where I let Wolf of Wall Street look ugly, and I just quoted the movie instead of me saying it directly. But the point being is, we get into a scenario where sometimes we're watching television, and these guys are like, yes, you too could make millions of dollars out in real estate. And it's it's fantastic, because they got... They're twins. Oh, that's another thing. That's the other thing. They're twin short people. And they have a tropical drink in their hand. They're in Hawaii. they got lays on. They've got beautiful, tall women 
Not that short people can't be with tall people, but it's a little less common. You know, one of the big things on Tinder and dating apps is you must be at least six foot tall. Women will say that, show up on a date, and the guy's like five foot seven. They're like, oh, killer. Killer. You're killing me. Killing me saying you're six foot in your uh, profile. Um, okay, so these little guys, like, you could be a millionaire just like us. There should be a disclaimer that runs under the screen. This doesn't happen for most people. Like, when you hear real estate radio shows and TV shows, you, sh- you should know that they're infomercials. Buying property in Dallas, Texas has been the hottest investment over the last 10 years. And you're like, can you quantify that? No, 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 no. They don't have to. They can say whatever they want. A lot of people hide behind freedom of speech. When you work as a fiduciary, you can't do that. With that said, if you really think that someone has a plan to make you millions of dollars and they're going to give it to you for $199, for $99, for $4,000 rich dad seminars, you are violently insane if you think someone's going to give you the secret to make millions of dollars in a short period of time. Or with no money down. There's a rap song in the 80s, OPP. Not talking about that. We're talking about OPM, other people's money. And when you, when you bring this up, I guess it's more of a hip-hop song than a rap song. But um, when you bring up like these concepts of like, you don't even have to have money. You just have to have enough money to give it to me so that I could pay for this infomercial. I happen to work for a television station that runs a lot of infomercials. They're not even willing to talk about original programming unless it could bring in $3,000 in a half hour because they can sell that half hour to an infomercial company where Eric Estrada will sell you lakefront property in Minnesota at an amazing rate, and you too can get in on the real estate boom because Eric Estrada, best known as Chips, California Highway Patrol 1970s, 80s show, is best known for giving investment advice. I bet if we were to look, he's probably been bankrupt. Same thing with Donald Trump. How so many Americans out there read Donald Trump books and think that they're wise and skillful, it just shows me how ignorant we are. It shows me that we were dumb enough to buy pet rocks in the 1970s. So to watch a show or to listen to a show and go, hmm, I think this guy has my best interest. You need to like really, really toughen your skin a little bit and try to listen to the message. Love Rick Edelman. But he's paying for time if he's pushing his Ricky Trust, right? Love the Motley Fools, but what are they pushing? Newsletter. Radio's gotten in the business of how can we make money in this half hour? And this probably all started in television too. And even journalism. If you take a look at business sites like the New York Times, there's sponsored articles. Back in the day, there was no sponsored articles in the print edition of the New York Times. You have to look at media differently than you ever have before, and you have to be realistic with yourself. Because when it comes down to the bottom line in radio and television and print, management makes the most money. Management and sales. It's not the talent. The talent will be there. Many will work for free because people really love radio and it's long form. People really love television and the smart people in the industry. You know, a journalist really, you know, really loves the work of, you know, 
mattering in the world and influencing opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Focusing in on what you can trust and not trust is something that you should start doing almost immediately as a financial person. And again, I guess that comes down to the whole issue on Brian Williams and the news. Of He kind of fabricated. And NBC's brand in news is news you can trust. Fox, I think we kind of know that Fox Business and Fox News is, this is the spin that we're going to take. We're going to call the show the No Spin Zone, even though there's going to be spin. Um, and that's fine. You know, MSNBC is going to take a different spin than Fox. As long as you know that going in, you're not like, this is the purest form of news. There's no such thing as purest form of news anymore. Whether it's radio, television, there has to be some sizzle. It's 130% true. I remember one of the very first investment deals that I was working with, a company called Freeman Billing Ramsey, FBR, they're still around. Um, the analyst was very quick to say, love steak, but I need the sizzle of the steak. Where's the sizzle? And it's not like, I can get you a business that grows 10% a year for the next 100 years. No, 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 we need 120% for the first three years. Because we're going to be out of this deal quickly. If it goes bankrupt after that, we don't care. So stories like Webvan, they came out and they did very, very well with the sizzle, but not with the bottom line. And that's something you have to be very, very careful with. I like the New York Times. I don't think it's the greatest. I like the Wall Street Journal. I don't think it's the greatest. Then I start getting into, I like the Financial Times, sure. But my hardcore publications are Morningstar and Standard and & Poor's and Bloomberg. These are publications that to get access to, you sometimes have to have a $1,000, $2,000 premium membership. It's for professionals. They're not trying to sell ads. They're giving you the best content they can without the sponsorship of ads ruining the, the environment or polluting the lake, per se. So it just, it kind of gets to me. And, uh, you know, there'll be an email about this segment of people wanting, like, ooh, but I really like this guy. Oh, but I really like that guy. Be cautious. I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just trying to help you. Oh, good golly, right? Are you with me or against me? So one of the segments that I talked about was horrible ways to spend your tax refund. Obviously, booze and gambling. And I think we've all been there in our 20s where we're like, woohoo, I got money back. Oh, you need to save this money. 2% of Americans used at least some of their refunds to pay down debt. Good. Another 42% placed part of the refund into savings. Some taxpayers, around 30%, use portions of the refunds for everyday expenses, and some have used their money for vacations, major purchases, and other expenses. It's the other expenses <laughs> that really start to get to me. Um, we need to save more as a nation. Some taxpayers actually use their tax refunds for breast augmentation or plastic surgery. Several Social Security media users probably show off or post about their new surgeries. Cars are another common expense that people throw down with a tax return, which may not 
or may sound like a bad idea, depending on what sort of vehicle you drive, but keep in mind, new cars are not a good investment, not wise uses of money. Because you've got to make payments over time, and usually your tax payment ain't going to be enough. So try to show a little bit of self-control this year, and take a look at your retirement. You need to have somewhere between $100,000 and $400,000 saved by age 40 if you're going to make retirement. I say 400000 if it's going to be a nicer retirement and allow for travel and allow for hiccups to the economy. I say $100,000 if you're willing to go to Guatemala or America's version of Guatemala. <laughs> and this is mean of me to say. Arkansas. Please bring on the I love Arkansas emails or posts. Um, I'm just being honest with you, you know. By age 30, you need to have ten dollars to $40,000 saved. Otherwise, you're falling behind a lot. And again, why such a big range of one to four? Because different people have different expectations of what retirement looks like. If you have nothing saved by 40, there's a very good chance you're going to work till the day you die. Very good chance. And or your retirement's going to look like being in a trailer eating cat food, which is fine with me if you like to taste cat food. Kibbles and bits? No, no, no. Kibbles and bits is dog food. Fancy Feast is the one I prefer. Big webinar, seminar coming up all the time. You can find out more information at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. This is fun. They're releasing the S6. And this is a story that tells you that there is no right answers. Um, they did a lot of things right. They went towards, they copied what Apple did well, a glass frame and aluminum frame. They took out some of the apps that people said were kind of bloating. They matched Apple's mobile payment service with one of its own, dubbed Samsung Pay. Um, but Samsung's had a rough go of it because in the high-end, Apple's spanked them in the last year with the release of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. And on the low-end, Chinese and Indian players released a sleek handset you know, priced at fractions of comparable Samsung phones. So they're at a bad point right now. So what do they do? They're, like I said, they're trying to do some upgrades. But one of the things that, that you have to do when you do these upgrades, now they've removed the battery. The removable battery's gone. Now it's a hard battery, which people love that. The expandable storage, gone. People love that. The water resistance found in last year's phone, people loved. Not a feature anymore. But they did say, you know, let's go a step further and get a special charger that can charge the iPhone, or not the iPhone, the Samsung, the S6. The S, trust me to 100% in half the time it takes the iPhone 6 to charge. 
It also has a wireless charging, which will be standard wireless charging formats in all phones going forward, they said. So we'll see. Um, and that comes sometime in April. And again, you know, Apple's got an interesting problem on their hands in the next week to start getting their head around. Making a smartwatch, the process is nearly over. They're going to unveil it on the 9th of March. Selling it is going to be a lot tougher than making it because consumers have seen what Samsung has done with smartwatches, and they've gone, meh, pretty much so. Wearable devices like Google Glass never got mainstream. Apple has been in the situation before. A lot of consumers didn't care about computer tablets uh, before Apple released the iPad. They didn't generally think about buying smartphones before the release of the iPhone. So they overcame ideal skepticism. Now, Apple's good at marketing. And one thing that I, I really think has got to be pushed again and again and again is Apple's not a tech company. Apple is a luxury brands company. Are you with me or not? Because you don't have to be. There, there's tech in their brands, but first and foremost, it's a brand. I look at people who have got the iPhone 4S, and I'm like, eh, you got an old phone. I look at people with the Samsung, I'm like, yeah, it's made out of plastic. So battery life is going to be one of the bigger issues that they have to come up with. If you have a Fitbit or, you know, one of those devices that you wear on your hand, it typically does a pretty good job of lasting four, five, six, seven days before it needs a charge. Apple Watch is going to be about a day, we think. But Apple put together an all-star team of designers and engineers. Well, they've solved this. Two years ago, the company experimented with advanced health monitoring sensors that tracked blood pressure and stress. A lot of those experiments were abandoned more than 18 months ago after the sensors proved unreliable and cumbersome. I would love an Apple Watch if it could predict a heart attack. I would love an Apple Watch. Like, there's things along those lines. If I had diabetes, if it could tell me my blood sugar issues. So it's going to be a big, a big day next week, to say the least. Um, as they release it, let's see what features they're going to show us. Because they haven't shown us much at this point in time. Does that make sense? I think it does. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I did see one re-rating on Apple, and I own shares of Apple. Um, $160 price target from Morgan Stanley. Apple's, and their, their first line of it was Apple's ability to charge a premium, grow recurring revenue, and accelerate the pace of category expansion, argue for a re-rating. They think it deserves a value of almost 190 versus its peers. But right now, as a stock, they're saying 160. Uh, Apple has the world's most valuable tech platform. Its users are the most loyal and willing to often pay a premium for the best user experience. They spend more. Developers and merchants often uh, generate two times as much revenue on iOS versus Android. A strong platform becomes a virtuous cycle. As many users buy multiple devices, there's a halo effect. This improves the whole ecosystem, which helps Apple attract and lock in new users. Um, again, cars could become a fourth screen. You know, Apple's got this pretty well thought out. 
Americans over 15 years old, on average, spend 5% of their time traveling, most in private cars. Autonomous cars could come to mass market in the next five years, according to analysts. And we'll be able to consume and create content and services tied towards you know, a fourth screen, PCs and tablets, smartphones, TVs, cars. Americans spend 12% of their time watching TVs and another 40% sleeping and 7% eating and exercising. So could Apple quadruple their TAM over the next five years? Total addressable market? The people at Morgan Stanley believe so. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. If you want to drop me an email, rob at robblack.com or rob at robblackshow.com. Podcast available at kdow.biz. You're listening to AM 1220 Business Radio. You can find me online at robblack.com. While you're there, you can sign up for my next event, the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. You can sign up for that at robblack.com. It's next Thursday, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, the 12th of March in Walnut Creek. Sign up at robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.